You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Rav Chaim was asked whether his uncle, the Chazanish, sang Mo'os Tzur. So he said the truth was by his uncle, he remembers, the Chazanish did not say the Mo'os Tzur. And the reason was, is because Mo's Tzur is meant to be sung, right? <laughs> it's, if, if to, to say Mo's Tzur, the Chazanish felt, wasn't the way to go. These words are meant to be sung. Now, either you're going to use the old-fashioned uh, niggin of Mo's Tzur, and if you can do it, you can do it. But he says, my uncle, the Chazanish, couldn't carry a tune for himself. But he loved to, but even though he couldn't carry a tune, he loved to listen to the, to good singing. So who, what, how would it, what would happen? We know that, um, that they were brothers-in-law, right? The, the, the stipler and the chazonish, right? So the chazonish and the stipler were somewhat either together or close by. Uh, by the time when they lit Neros. And he, the Chazanish would come to listen to his brother-in-law, the Stipler, sing. Because um, his father had a good voice. His father sang it with a, with, with a, with a, with a good feel. So Rav Chaim then said that his father was a good singer. He, had a, he, was, he could carry a tune. He was able to sing Mazzur properly. And in general, he was good. In fact, even though he was one of the great Talmud HaChachamim of his day, he used the koyach that he had of being able to sing in a sweet, melodic way. They, When they needed to, to, to raise money, to leave Europe, to be able to get to Eretz Yisrael, even though he was like a Rosh Hashiva, he was a Rav, he, he, he hired himself out to be a Chazan in some place. So he can get some money uh, for Chazonis. So next time, he says, he actually was in Pinsk. You'll appreciate this, uh, Dr. Kogan. <laughs> Pinsk was big, a big enough town. He came from, he came, he was from Harness Stiple, right? Right, which is a real, uh, that, uh, what is it, two horse? <laughs> <laughs> Harness Stiple. Harness He came from, like, he came from a bar, dwarf, but. Right. But you know, but Pinsk, Pinsk, Pinsk was a, Pinsk was a large town, and yeah. oh, we need a chazan. So who who do they get as their chazan? One of the most up and coming great Talmud Chachamim, Rabbi Yaakov Yisroel Kanievsky. He's their chazan because he needed the money, and he says, "Yeah, I'll go and daven." And with that money, he said they had enough money to make the trip there at Yisroel, which of course brought the stipler and uh, Rav Chaim uh, eventually, of course, as well. So, uh, use the gifts that you have. Now, they asked, um, one of his grandchildren said, Zayda, what about you? Um, do you enjoy hearing singing? And uh, he said, you know, um, I don't really have the same sort of appreciation. But he said, you know what? If I hear someone with a nice voice and using a nice tune, I'll listen. But not too much, though. <laughs> so uh, this sort of is for you, Richard. Yes, singing is important. 
singing singing the Mo'asu or saying the word. And even someone as great as Rav Chaim said, you know what? You hear somebody really, you know, singing in a very nice way. It's nice to sit and listen, but you don't have to sit there for two hours and listen to Chazan Helfgut uh, do a concert. Um, uh, interesting about singing uh, and the stipler being uh, uh, a person with a sweet voice. Uh, they said that that the was uh, there was a certain rub for Pinchas Kalman that they shared uh, in their apartment building. He shared a wall in Bnei Brak, and he noticed every you know one of the beautiful sounds was hearing the stipler learn Gemara. You know, many times you get used to the sounds of your neighbors, the noise of your neighbor. So you can imagine, you know, you're the you're the neighbor, you are the next door neighbor uh, in the same building with the with the Kanyevskis, and you can hear constantly the tune of the of 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 the of Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael learning. And he said he noticed that on Shabbos he would learn Gemara, but the Gemara tune was different. So um, Rav Chaim said that was true, but it wasn't conscious. In other words, the truth was Shabbos is different, and therefore you sing differently. Even though you 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 know there's a famous Litvish tune for the Gemara, how you learn, but on Shabbos it came out differently because on Shabbos, uh, you know the, the the spirit of Shabbos was a prism to the song that came out from the stipler. Anyway, I thought it was just beautiful about uh, the stipler um, about the Chazanish. Uh, they say that there was a um, a certain old Bresel Verchosid uh, that once davened in the Bismedrish where the Chazanish was and on Rish Chodesh. And the, the, the Chazanish went over to him afterwards and said, you know, you're, you know, you're Bresel Verchosid, why didn't you sing the Hallel? So uh, the question was, does that show that the, the Chazanish always loved hearing a niggin? The, 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 the Rav Chaim said, that might be part of it, but the other part is to give chizik to people. You see somebody who is a chosid who wants to sing, show him that you're on his side. And that was something that the chazanish, although he wasn't a singer, uh, he could appreciate it and wanted to give that type of COVID. Now, let's talk again. We talked. We started off today talking about how the stipler, how Rav Chaim felt that even if you can't light outside in Eretz Yisrael, you should light at a lower window. But what about somebody in America, of course, where the minig is the light inside? So a, 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 an Amer- a Jew came from America to the um, to the to Rav Chaim, and he said that um, everybody says in America. Again, you can see there's tremendous anti-Semitism. Maybe it's in France. I don't know. He just says It's probably not America. I would assume it's it's probably France or or or, or England, um, and even wearing a kippa could be a sakana. I'm not sure which country in in Europe that is, but again, there's probably countries in Chutzlarts that that is the truth. So there was a story going around that in Brisk and Brest of Stoff, that was also uh, even though there was full of Jews, there were plenty of goyim who lived there as well. So in Brisk, everybody lit inside, but the Briskerov lit outside. And the Briskerov, which is interesting, that he was Makbid, he lit outside. So the question came to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. 
we see that you are able to make a stand. You are able to to show and to go out there, even though it's a place of anti-Semites. So, so someone wanted to say, well, can I be like the Briskarov of my time? So let's say where I'm living, whatever city he's talking about, whether it's in Venezuela or wherever it is that they don't like the Jews too much, maybe you can be the Briskarov of your town. So the, the, the Rav Chaim said, look, if you, if you perceive it to be dangerous, then do not light outside. And you should realize the Briskarov had the schools of being the Rav of the city. <laughs> and also, he was the official rabbi of the city. As the official rabbi, first of all, he has the schus of being the rov, and that already gives him protection. But there's also the fact that, you know, people realized this was the rabbi of the city. Even the goyim realized that. And therefore, he, he was safer than had he not been. And therefore, don't, don't go out there and try to be the hero. Uh, in Chutzlarts, if you if you feel there's a place uh, that it's going to be dangerous, um, the minion of Hanukkah guilt. We talked about singing Moasur. Um, what about Hanukkah guilt? Where does that come from? So when Rav Chaim speaks about this, first of all, he mentions that his father, the Stipler, we talked about, um, would give out Hanukkah guilt to uh, the grand, all the grandchildren. Now, and children as well. Now, children, everybody knew they would get money. What day did he use? It was always the fifth night of Hanukkah. He didn't give out the other nights. Why? Because if you, if you see according to the calendar, that's the one night of Hanukkah that can never come out on Shabbos. Every other day could be Shabbos. But the fifth, according to the way our calendar is set up, the fifth night of Hanukkah can never be Shabbos, so the money is never muktzah. So that becomes the time to give Hanukkah guilt. But what's the reason why you give Hanukkah guilt? So this is a chiddush of Rav Chaim Kanievsky. He says, we know from, it already is brought to Mishnah Burr and other earlier sources, that the minig was to give, to, the Hanukkah was a time to zero in on giving to Aniyim. Aniyim, give to the most needy, like they said in the New York Times, <laughs> give to the Aniyim and Hanukkah. That was the minig. And what was the minig originally? The Mishra says, Noah gim Aniyim l'saveh v'alapsochim b'chanukah. The Aniyim would, would, would beg on Hanukkah. They would come around to everybody's house and people would give them money. That was the old minig. But then, Rav Chaim says, it became embarrassing. In other words, to go to people's houses and to ask for the money. So as much as it was a time to get money, the poor people who felt a sense of dignity uh, did not go. So what did they do? It's a chap. They sent their children. So they sent their children. And the children would go representing the parents. And the children would get the money. But then the children started feeling busha. Why? Because they knew the other kids. The other kids weren't begging for money. The other kids weren't going around and getting money. So they became embarrassed. So how to get the tzedakah to the poor people? So they, they created this custom 
of giving to all the kids. <laughs> so in other words, it was a, everyone knew kids, it's money time. So this way, even the poor kids would show up at a house that wasn't theirs because you're giving out money. In other words, they didn't feel bad because, oh, everybody's getting a little bit of money today. So it's almost like it became like an open house. Kids from all over the communities would come. But but it was a way with Chachma to get the money to the poor kid who would bring it home to his... He'd bring it home to his parents. So this is the way the union of Hanukkah Geld came. That it was a way to... It wasn't just, it's great for kids. It's, it's, we want to see in the eyes of the children. We want to make children happy. No, that's not what it is. It's a way to get tzedakah. But sometimes you have to use a little bit of chokhmah to be able to get that tzedakah to be done. And by this way, the parent should realize, oh, here is uh, Shmerel's kid. He's going to get a little more Hanukkah gelt than the regular kids. The regular kids will get a kopek, couple of kopecks, but at least this way, uh, you know, they won't be embarrassed and the money will go towards um, a very good cause. So that is Rav Chaim's way of, of, of looking at how we should see this minag. We shouldn't be mavazit. We should see it as a way to ultimately be about giving stalker. Um Rechayim was asked about the minig that had arrived. I don't know if you know what this is, but there's a certain type of... So it seems like this erysipelas, which is a skin infection, there became this, I don't know if you called it an old wives story, but there was a minag that had arisen to cure the erysipelas. How did they cure the erysipelas? Well, they used to do it like this. Um... What does it say in Mo'ostur? Uminoisar kankanim nasaneis lashoshanim. So even though the shoshanim is really Klal Yisrael, because we're like the, the rose that is guarded among the other nations that are the thorns, soga b'shoshanim, suga b'shoshanim, but there became this folk medicine idea among Jewish people that, for, that if you want to cure the shoshana, if you want to cure this cyparis, um, uh, I'm saying it wrong already, this, this, this Shoshana disease, that the way you can is by taking the nosar of the shaman. So what you would do is you would take the, the, that if there was oil that was left after it didn't burn all the way, you would smear that, and that's a segula to, for that disease to be taken away. So Rav Chaim heard about this, and he said he thinks it's also because when you put it in the you put it into the jar whatever it is it's mukts it's hooks of the mitzvah. Now, Rav Chaim then said, maybe take from the jar. Let's say this is your jar of olive oil that you pour into the into the into the into the little cup. Maybe that. But they said that's not what the segul is. The segul is the noisar. It's got to be left over from what was from Hanukkah. So what he said, uh, look, I don't know if this is re- if it really helps or not, but you seem to want it to work. Maybe it does. 
So what you could do is this. When you put the oil into the, into the little cup, you say, I only want it to work. I only want this to be a Ner Hanukkah for the minimum amount of time, for the half hour that it burns. Then you're allowed to actually blow out the Ner Hanukkah and take the oil. And he said he thinks that um, that could work. Possibly. That could still be called minoisar kankanim. So if you do have this rash or disease, that's what Rav Chaim said uh, would be the etza to be able to use that leftover oil. <laughs> he wasn't saying necessarily he believes in it, but he said that that was the case. Um, many times, of course, the, the Talmud, you know, people bring... If they're lucky, they're able to get into Rav Chaim and they would bring the children who had finished Mishnayis and finished Shishlazirei Mishnah. So one of Rav Chaim's questions to, to give a Bechina was, we know that there's no Mishnayis Mesechta's Hanukkah. However, Rav Chaim says, Hanukkah is mentioned how many times in Mishnayis? So most of the time, the kids knew a couple. Rukhaim would say, there's seven direct places. And he would mention right away where they were in Mishnayis, in Bikurim, where it says that until Hanukkah, you have a chance to bring, to bring the Bikurim. Uh, but you don't say the uh, declaration. On Rosh Hashanah talks about the shluchim that would go out to tell everybody what was the day of the month because of Hanukkah. Um, the Mishnah Tainus mentions that you don't have a Tainus Tiber on Hanukkah. Um, in Megillah, it mentions Hanukkah twice, what you read, which parsha on Hanukkah. In Mait Katan, it mentions uh, when there's a, a person who dies on Hanukkah, what happens at the funeral. And in Baba Kama, it mentions about what happens if a person has his near Hanukkah outside and be, through the near Hanukkah being outside, uh, a hezek occurs when a camel comes by uh, carrying cotton or, or, or a type of material that's flammable. So that's seven places, Ruchayim said. And then there's also an eighth place in Tainus where it says, if a day that has Hallel without Musaf. He says there's only, the Mishnah says, a day with Hallel without Musaf. There's only one day, in the, there's only one day where you have a Hallel without Musaf. That's Hanukkah. So there's a Remez even there, and those eight mentionings, of course, are connected the eight days of Hanukkah. So to say that Hanukkah is not mentioned in the Mishnah is indeed a mistake. Those of you that are, I'm sharing my screen, and those of you that can see what we have here on the screen, this was in, um, I'm not sure what city it is, but look at the people that are here. I'll make this a little bit bigger. And you can see, Here's Rav Chaim Kanievsky. This was about 30 years ago. And you can see the type of people where Rav Chaim was. And Rav Chaim was all about Jabalabatim who invited him to come to a siyam on Hanukkah. And you can see there's some sufkaniyot on the table. And the Hanukkiah is here on Hanukkah. 
Chaim felt that it's important to have Simchas Hanukkah, to make Sudas on Hanukkah. And he was willing, despite the fact of his great Asmoda, he's willing to Machazik to go and travel and to be connected to Amcha, right? These aren't your typical Chevra of B'nai Brak. You can see in the picture here. And here's Rav Chaim sitting wonderfully along with them. Because, as we know, that is, it's extremely important to have these type of events. And Rav Chaim is definitely, wouldn't be any critic of having a Simchas Hanukkah. There's nothing wrong with it. And if anything, we will hopefully we should be zeichah to be able uh, to have many, many more types of Simchas Hanukkah. And hopefully Rav Chaim should have the total refuah that would be able to be mishtatet from those. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.